Welcome to the C10 Conversation. I'm Matt Folks. Thank you so much for joining us. We are here at uh, First Federal Bank of Kansas City talking with President and CEO Jared Buckner. And so thanks for joining us here this week. Thanks for, you know, we're actually in a branch. I mean, it's not a lot of people yet, and we'll, we'll kind of come back to COVID and how that's affected you guys, but it's great to be with you here today. Yeah, well, it's an honor to be here. I appreciate uh, the opportunity to share with you. Okay, so we start these with what we call pregame batting practice, just a chance to get to know you a little bit better. So question number one, my hero growing up was? Uh, always has been my dad. Uh, 100% wonderful, loving, kind man that uh, uh, always eager to help. I always wanted to grow up and be just like him. Uh, was a carpenter, and from my earliest age, you know, my mother was sewing, uh, you know, a little hammer holder on the side of every one of the pair of pants I had, and so uh, still look up to him, and uh, so hands down, my hero. Did you inherit any of his carpentry skills? Uh, I uh, um, spent most summers and a lot of evenings uh, swinging a hammer, and so I, uh, I, I am a good rough-in person, but don't ask me to do any trim. <laughs> <laughs> Question number two, my favorite Royals player of all time is? Uh, Frank White for me. Loved, uh, loved watching Frank White play, uh, and so... Hands down, yeah. Question number three, my motto as a leader is? Uh, I'd say uh, speak the truth in love. Uh, I'm, I 100% believe uh, uh, in that. So. Okay. And then question number four, if I could meet one person in history, it would be? For me, it's faith. I would love to be able to sit down with Jesus. Uh, uh, if, if I had a second chance, uh, I would love to meet John Kennedy. So, Maybe two people, yeah. maybe Jesus and, and, and John Kennedy at once. Maybe so, yeah. <laughs> if, if we could meet for coffee, those would be the two people. But uh, I would, would love to have the opportunity to sit down and, and be just in the presence of Christ. So. There you go. Very good. Well, tell me about 17-year-old J.R. Bugner. Ooh, I don't know that we want this on the leadership podcast. Uh, uh, there was a, a lot of time spent uh, at Smithville Lake crappie fishing and uh, not a lot of attention paid to studies at that time. Uh, I, I, I still am almost 50 years old and can't believe I'm in the role that I am. I still feel like I have so much to do and grow and learn. Uh, at, at that point, all I wanted to do was be hunting or fishing, and, mm-hmm. and I absolutely uh, loved doing that, loved being outside, outdoors. Uh, those were great times and memories with my dad. Uh, those were the things that he loved to do, and I still love doing those things today. There's just not near as much time for it. So I didn't have a real big focus for necessarily where I wanted to go with the rest of my life, but uh, probably if I could have been a hunting or fishing guide at that point, that's what I would have been doing. So where did you end up going to college? Uh, I went. I graduated from Park University or Park College up in Parkville, Missouri. So I uh, got a degree in accounting. I started off as an actuarial science uh, hmm. major, uh, actually at Warrensburg at CMSU, uh, UCM now. Yeah. Um, and uh, transferred to Park and changed my major to accounting. So I always have loved numbers and the certainty of those kinds of things. So you've always been a numbers guy. Always been a numbers guy. Still, uh, as a leader now, I have to pull myself out of that CFO function because it's what I gravitate to. It's, uh, I enjoy that. It, um, and it's been hard for me to relinquish that, but, uh, it's been one of the struggles as a leader. You know, you, you hire good people and you have to let them do that. And I had to let go of that. And it took me a while to un- learn that. So, so is, is, is there ever a moment where your, your CFO is saying, JR, come on. I'll, I'll take care of this. Yeah, probably so. Yes, <laughs> I, if, I'm, if I'm honest, I probably uh, I probably dive down when times and I wouldn't. And uh, you know, we have uh, a wonderful senior leadership team and, and uh, a culture where he'll say, "We've got this," and, yeah. and so I appreciate that. Very good. Hey, you're a numbers guy, but what drew you to the banking side of, of things? Uh, you know, I, I grew up building houses and and. That 
I say I grew up building houses. My father was a rough-in carpenter and a home builder. Uh, and, and there's a lot of joy and satisfaction at the end of the day when you leave and there's a wall put up or the roof's on the house. Uh, there's kind of instant gratification. You know, and as I was going through school, I think that's why I like the certainty of numbers. There's a problem at the beginning and you solve that at the end. Um, and as I was coming out of school, I, I had a, a family friend from church that said there was a management trainee opportunity at a community bank. Uh, and I started there, I don't know, 25, 28 years ago or something, mm -hmm. uh, and fell in love with it. Uh, community banking, a lot of community banking was centered around construction lending. So I got to stay involved with kind of the home builder industry from that perspective. But uh, loved serving. I love the idea of community banking and serving our communities and, and serving the serving the customers that are there. You see the impact. Again, there's, there's gratification in making those small business loans or helping someone purchase a home for the first time. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of, uh, uh, just a lot of opportunities to serve and, and that brings me a lot of joy. So. It's kind of like George Bailey and It's a Wonderful Life. It, it very much is. Uh, you know, First Federal is an old savings and loan, and then mm -hmm. that's the, the It's a Wonderful Life story. And it truly is putting your community first. And, and I think that's what I've enjoyed. I've enjoyed a great career in, in banking, been blessed to be in the right place at the right time so many times and had so many wonderful mentors mm -hmm. uh, throughout the years. Or, and I certainly wouldn't be here without any of them. And I think we start off saying I still feel inadequate for the role and I still devour, you know, whether it's podcasts or books or whatever that is to uh, continue to try to grow and, and at some point be worthy of the title of CEO or president. That management trainee program was with what bank? Uh, bank of Lee Summit. So it was a, a family-owned bank. The Hoke family owned it. Wonderful Christian family. It was just such a great place to start. I was one of two or three guys in the organization and surrounded by these wonderful, loving women who taught me how to be, you know, a, a wonderful man. And they were just, I had, you know, 30 or 40 mothers or grandmothers that were there and taught me so much about banking, about leadership. Uh, I go down the laundry list of people who, who poured into me through those years. And uh, I certainly wouldn't be the leader, the person I am today without their influence on me. And, and went through a uh, um, transition there with uh, acquisitions and ultimately went to uh, First Community Bank, uh, who went through a transition. And, and that's how I ended up at, uh, at First Federal. My father-in-law, who's in the Nashville area, started a community bank. And through mergers and acquisitions, it was eventually you know a big national bank that everyone's familiar with now. And then he retired and ended up going back to the community bank. Because I guess there's something, for a lot of people, there's something special about being able to serve in that community. Very much so. Uh, you know, throughout my career, it's, you know, you're engaged in the Chamber of Commerce and the economic development of your community at, at an intimate level. It's not, uh, you know, we're not necessarily making billion dollar loans to, you know, the new Amazon plant that might be coming to your city, but you're making loans to individuals to build small businesses, which is the backbone of, of our communities. Mm -hmm. uh, and for First Federal, we're focused solely on home ownership and savings. So on the consumer side of that and uh, the things that drive us every single day are seeing the value of home ownership and the impact that has on our communities. When did you realize that, that you had some leadership abilities? Uh, I don't know. I still question that today. You know, I, I think the longer I'm in leadership, the more I understand uh, there's a whole lot I don't know. Um, you know, uh, I, well, I don't know. I would say I was 27, 28 years old, one of the youngest officers at, a, at the community bank I served at. Um, and when we went through mergers and acquisitions, I was almost 20 years younger than my peers. And 
the CFO role or whatever that role might be. So I think it, maybe at that point I had some inclination that mm-hmm. I had leadership abilities, but I guess I've never, I have people ask me, you know, when, you know, when did you decide you wanted to be a CEO of a bank? I, I've, I never had that goal. I came in and wanted to work hard and do my best every day. Uh, and, and I would say if anything led to my success, it was my inability to say no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when, when people ask, can you help me with this? Yes, I will help. Yeah. Even if I didn't know what I was doing, I would dig in and figure it out. Um, and maybe it was that attitude that led to success. And then I would say it was a hard transition for me going from what was typically maybe the number two role in an organization to the leader of the institution. Um, and that, that was a, I've been at First Federal eight years now. That was a significant growth curve for me because I was, I felt like I was very good at executing. Mm-hmm. Leading requires a different skill set. And I had to learn that and learn to let go and learn to hold people accountable and lead with a vision and speak the truth and love, if you will, as we go forward to make sure I'm leading the organization and let go of some of those things that I really wanted to do that were immediately gratifying or rewarding. Being 20 plus years younger than all these guys, were you intimidated at all or was it a great education and rejuvenation every day? It was both. I learned hard lessons because they were quick to point out uh, my mistakes, but they also took time to pour into me. And so uh, I saw it as a challenge and I wanted to soak up everything I could from it. It was a wonderful learning experience for me. I can't can't, uh, articulate enough how much I learned during uh, five or seven years of being in that role and having those people to call on mm-hmm. and to point out when I'm doing something wrong too. Right. Uh, maybe not so much always speaking the truth in love, <laughs> uh, but those those were lessons I learned along the way. And so I, I would say very valuable to me, uh, uh, both from a mentoring perspective and it inspired me to, I wanted to be as good as them. And so uh, I'm super competitive and I, I wanted to win. I wanted to be as good or, or better than them, but recognized, you know, they got 20 years on me. I need to seek out wisdom from them. Well, now that you are their age, basically, <laughs> yeah. is that mentoring piece important to you with, with younger employees here at First Federal? Oh, a hundred percent. You know, I had the, the, the privilege, the joy to teach at the Graduate School of Banking for nine years out of Colorado. I'm, I'm, I'm committed to ongoing mentoring, education, training of our staff. We're in the process of moving our administrative facility and a large portion of that is committed to training and development of mm-hmm. our teams. Uh, we have a number of young people with us and, and I'm super passionate about, about mentoring, spending time with them and asking and making sure our leaders do the same thing. What does that term leader mean to you? We actually define it (laughs) at First Federal. Uh, And so I'll tell you, uh, from an accountability standpoint, we grade or evaluate our leaders on three different things. Uh, One is uh, called translation. And so how well do they translate our corporate mission, vision, and values down to the individual level for our teams? So do they understand how they're impacting our community and and the overall success of our organization? then there's the coaching aspect of that. So again, speak the truth and love to our team members. You know, if there's things that need to be addressed, let's address them and let's address them in a way that builds them up. Or if they're in the wrong seat on the bus or this is maybe the wrong organization for them, help them find uh, someplace else to go. Uh, And then last one is scorekeeping, letting them know 
what the score is. Are they winning? Are, are we losing? I mean, they should know that every single day with whatever their job or task is. So that's that's leadership for us on the inside of the organization and how we evaluate it. And you know, I think that's that applies to most things in life. I think what my kids want to know, what my spouse wants to know is, you know, how am I with you and are we okay? Mm-hmm. And making sure we're communicating that on a regular basis. Hey, this is Matt Folks. I hope you're enjoying this week's conversation. We're going to take a quick break as we introduce you to one of the students in the C10 Mentoring and Leadership Program. Hi, I'm Kayana. I'm a senior at Van Horn High School. This is my second year in the program. And my favorite thing about C10 is meeting all the new mentors and all the new students and getting to know different stories and learning things from all of them. Thank you so much for helping to make that possible. That's this week's C10 Student Spotlight. Now back to the podcast. Particularly in the last 12 months with COVID, what have you learned about the way you need to lead, but what you guys need to be doing? Uh, maybe it's revolutionary that, that uh, some changes that you can see happening because of what we saw during COVID. Yeah, you know, that's a, a great question and one we've been pondering. What are the lessons in, in COVID? And I think for us, uh, it maybe starts with relationships. And I think going into COVID, what our customers saw was the value of the relationships that we had. When we went into COVID, when we saw customers were past due on their mortgages or their accounts were overdrawn, we were reaching out to them immediately and asking, are you impacted by COVID? Can we help originate a forbearance agreement for you? What can we do to help you get back on your feet? Can we waive these fees for you? Let us know when you get back to work. So the value of relationship when times are good is as important or more important than when times get bad because you can uh, you can leverage those when times get bad. For us, it was having the relationships with you know our, our legislators, with our community leaders to say, how can we partner now to work through this experience, whatever that was. Uh, and so relationships is number one. Number two, what we saw COVID do was accelerate a lot of the things that were already happening in our world, and that was the adoption of technology. And so specifically in our more mature customers, this forced them to adopt technology, and it accelerated the investments from a number of not only community banks, but large banks, because that was the only way your customers were interacting with you. Mm-hmm. The, the revolutionary part for us as we go forward will be to make sure that technology allows them to have the relationship with the bank? Are we providing them access to their bankers, to the relevant information they need when they need it so that they still see us as a trusted advisor, even if they only choose to interact with us digitally? Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I'd mentioned we're at one of your branches here right now and people in the lobby, but it's not bustling. And even to get in, I texted you to, to be let in. Yeah. You have a lot of employees now working from home. And that was, that was even happening a couple months before COVID with you guys, wasn't it? Yeah, that's correct. We had uh, had an initiative to, we didn't anticipate everybody was going to work 100% remote, <laughs> but we thought we would have a blended uh, environment. We, you know, we were looking at this, you know, both, you know, from just a good corporate citizen standpoint, hey, if our folks don't have to drive into the office two or three days a week, you know, not only can they save on fuel, it's better for, you know, from a green standpoint, there's a number of benefits to that. They get more time with their family, the 30 minutes or the hour they would have been on the road, they can keep that and you know use it to either volunteer, give back in their communities, spend more time with their family, whatever, just a win-win. And so we had made the investment in the technology and the software necessary to go remote 
a few days a week. Right. <laughs> and when COVID hit, then you know we immediately flipped the switch. It was March 17th. We said, everybody stay home. Uh, and, and when we said that, we still had a few people coming into the, to our corporate office, but somewhere where normally 120 people would be, we might have had 10 or 15 mm-hmm. spread out through that facility uh, when, when there was a business need to have them in the office. Uh, in addition to that, we onboarded about 28 people, I think, during COVID. Huh. And so uh, we had to get creative with our onboarding and training during that time. And uh, I, I think the part that is, um, I'll say that maybe keeps me up at night a little bit is making sure those 28 people that joined us during COVID uh, are integrated into our first federal family, that they truly can get a feeling for our culture. And that's that's going to be harder to do when everything was a Zoom meeting or remote or a teleconference when you're not, you know, you miss the water cooler conversation or, or the lunchtime conversation. You know, it's interesting you say that because as we've talked to different types of leaders through this. You have some that are in big corporate office buildings that say, you know what, I really miss having those water cooler conversations or really miss having this employee coming by and saying, hey, can you help me with this problem? How do you balance that? Uh, yeah, I think that will be the challenge for all of us as leaders as we go forward. We've deployed some technologies internally that allow us to have that if you will, always on, kind of like you're at the water cooler type conversation, can I shoot you? It's almost like a text message, but utilizing the technology that we have within our systems. Hey, can you help me with this real quick? It's still not the same as sitting across the table or having coffee or breaking bread. So for us, as we go forward, we're being intentional about why we bring teams into the office and what that looks like. And as we, if you will, have savings from remote work, uh, uh, initiatives. You know, how do we come together for corporate events? We come together a couple of times a year as a, as a first federal team uh, all together. And one of them, you know, we'll bring together, you know, spouses and everybody in to just come in and have fun. There's no, uh, there's no agenda. Let's just get together and have fun. Uh, one of the things that we initiated during COVID and, and it came from one of our employees and I love it. We call it feel good Fridays. Our employees all share pictures of things they're doing with their families, their dogs, their grandkids, huh. and with just a little caption of what they're doing to, to have fun during COVID. And you know, while we can't have that water cooler conversation, you can see, oh, wow, Susie's daughter rides horses, and I, got any, I need to ask Susie about that the next time we interact. Huh. And so finding creative ways to stay connected will be the challenge as we go forward. Uh, but we will be very intentional about coming together. Uh, I, I would say at a minimum on a quarterly basis, getting all of our team together and finding a way to do that, whether that's at a Royals game or going to a main event or someplace like that where we can bring our team together just to just to see each other. When you're talking about employees working remotely, you had mentioned serving in the communities. And I know that's that's important to you guys. It's important to you and your wife, Kelly, as a family, it's also important that First Federal, to you, gives back not only of treasure, but also of time and talent of your employees. Why is that important to you? For me, it comes back to, to faith, and, and I've shared with you kind of our mission, vision, values, and our, our blue book. Uh, you know, stewardship is important to us. You know, as a mutually owned financial institution, you know, our customers truly own the institution. So every employee, every leader, the CEO is simply a steward of this while we're here. And I think we've been entrusted with, I think First Federal is a great gift to our community. And so we've been blessed uh, with a number of things. So we have a, a corporate objective to give back five and a half percent of all of our pre-tax income. That's an important thing to us. We also have baked into that statement that our board reaffirms every year time off for our employees to give back to the community. Now, this last year, that was so hard that I'll share a story with you. We've got a teller at our Raytown location that started 
started our trunk or treat program three years ago just on a whim said hey we want to find a way to engage the community so we're going to have trunk or treat well this last year during covid we thought for sure trunk or treat is not going to happen she on her own went out engaged with jackson county health found a way for us to continue to engage with our community with trunk or treat and and we had a safe way for them to drive through never get out of their cars kids could still dress up our team still decorated all of their cars and we could give out the candy in a safe way it was an awesome way to still engage with our community and we still managed to hold our golf tournament which supports uh, a, a, a nonprofit taking it to the streets we were able to do that in a safe way we just had to be very creative this last year but you know that's just part of being an active member of our community and, and a lot of that comes back to me and, and my faith. We're blessed with all kinds of gifts, whether that's time, talent, treasure, whatever those are. And we're called to share those. And I think when you look at our values uh, as an organization, the people who onboard with us, they believe those same things. And I'll tell you, we onboarded 28 people this last year. I meet with all of the new people that come into our organization once a quarter, whatever team members joined us during that time. I'm amazed. Uh, Every one of them has gone out and looked at our website and seen how we give back. And they all reference, that's the kind of organization I wanted to be a part of because that's important to me. So when we say we hire people with hearts for service, they truly have a heart for service. And when we have opportunities to go provide meals for Ronald McDonald House or whatever it is, uh, we have all kinds of people sign up. Our golf tournament, we have a waiting list for employees that want to volunteer at that event every year. Uh, uh, We rarely have trouble finding volunteers for opportunities to engage with our community because they have a desire to give back. They feel blessed too. From my perspective, and correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of companies will do something like that as a marketing piece. And I, you know, I think about what the Royals did and Dayton and Mr. Sherman and the other ownership last year when they continued to pay their minor league players, and a lot of teams were not doing that across the board. And Dayton wanted to do it, and Mr. Sherman wanted to do it just because that's who they are. It wasn't, hey, look at the Royals, it's just who they are. I mean, I've known you for a few years now. I get the sense that that's just, that's just who you are. You know, we need to be giving back to the community because that's the right thing to do. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, and not necessarily that it's about me or that's just who right. I am. I think as an organization, we don't do a good enough job of highlighting what we are doing in the community, not to toot our own horn, Mm -hmm. but to let people know who we're about. And these things are important to us, not to be boastful, but, you know, we support See You in the Major Leagues because of this. Uh, And I think we're doing a better job of being able to highlight that now as we give and support. It's not just look at us. It's like, this is why Healing House is important to us, or this is why we believe in supporting this organization. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and to put a spotlight on them too, to say, gosh, if, if, you know, if your values align with ours, you might want to give to this organization. Right. And so, yeah, and I would say the people that we hire have that same desire. That resonates with them, mm-hmm. for sure. And, well, and, and you've set me up for a loaded question, yeah. but you mentioned see the major leagues and, and, uh, your family, the bank, I mean, you guys have been great supporters of ours. What, what have you learned about seeing the major leagues over these last three or four or five years that make you want to continue supporting the foundation? Uh, you know, again, at First Federal, one of our missions is, you know, help individuals and families prosper financially. And, and you know, to break some of those cycles, if you will, of, of poverty or whatever it is, we have to engage with our youth. So first and foremost, I love that see you in the major leagues is focused on our youth. Uh, and I shared earlier, I, I've been the beneficiary of so many people pouring into me 
throughout my life, the mentoring aspect of that, of having someone to pour into a young person and give them a different perspective is so important. And I think life-changing for them. I have to believe it's life-changing for them. And so it's it's something we're passionate about supporting. And I think we, we, you know, we break those cycles, one person, one family at a time, and you just have to start somewhere. And so it, whether it's 15 or 20 kids or 10 or whoever that is, we're making a difference in our community. I say we are, you guys are. No, it's, it's and, and we're quick to say that it's, it's all because of our supporters. I mean, it's just without supporters, without you guys, without others listening to this, it just it wouldn't happen. So no, we're we're incredibly thankful and incredibly blessed about that. So, all right, we're going to close this out with uh, three quick pitches. As I'm just calling that, I came up with that today. Yeah. By the way, I like that. Yeah, there you go. Uh, when is one time as a leader that that you have struck out? Ooh, uh, there's uh, um, uh, probably a lot more than one. Uh, I would say. Uh, when you asked me how I would try to speak the truth in love, it's when I didn't speak the truth in love and I chose to ignore something that should have been addressed. And there's more than one of those opportunities that have come and gone. And then um, whatever came out of my mouth didn't come out in love. It came out in something else. And so uh, when you see those things, speak them in love immediately. Yeah. <laughs> All right. On the flip side of that, then, when's one time you've hit a home run? Ooh, gosh, yeah, I don't know. I'm not good at those, uh, those things. I appreciate that question. You know, I don't know. That's a that's a really that's a really hard question for me. Uh, uh, I'll I'll come back to maybe not uh, in uh, uh, at work, uh, but at home. I'm, you know, I have four daughters, and I'm I'm so proud of the the, the women that they're becoming. And so uh, I would I would like to say that uh, I I've won there, and I and we've done a good job there. So well, and that's that's a that's a great. I mean, that's you know as we, you mentioned on the C10 program and our students, and that's you know. One thing that we stress to them is that you don't have to be the president CEO of a company. Uh, your leaders in your community, whatever that community looks like, whether it's your church or just your home, I mean, you, your leaders there. So yeah. no, that's that's great. And then finally, I asked you earlier about 17-year-old Jr. Mm -hmm. What would you tell him today if you could? Oh, uh, you know, I was uh, so worried about what everybody else thought that. Uh, uh, not to worry about what everybody else has. follow your heart be you um, and uh, that would have that would have certainly been the advice I'm just very very worried about those things so. well very good well, JR I appreciate your time here this week and uh, we just again we're just incredibly thankful for you guys and for you personally and Kelly and, and all you guys do not only for seeing the major leagues but everybody in the community well, pleasure to be here so thanks well, that does it for this episode of the C10 Mentoring and Leadership Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, we hope that you'll leave a favorable review on your favorite podcast platform. If you didn't enjoy it or you have other comments or suggestions for potential guests, you can click on the comment link in the show's notes. We drop a new episode at the end of every week, but be sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss an interview. And if you or your company would like to help underwrite this podcast, let me know. Until next time, this is Matt Folks for the CU and Major Leagues Foundation saying be safe and take care.